Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John. And as always, I'm joined by the coffee queen herself, who may have had a couple sins with her coffee this week, last week, Danielle Corley. Oh, my goodness. What Listen, man, I have, I have the receipts. You have the receipts. You have a photo that is totally staged, and no. you're just creating fake news right now. Well, people were giving you the benefit of the doubt because you left a practically brand new uh, Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee cup outside of your camper at, at Harrisburg. Your word, like you're assuming it was mine. I well. travel in a group, and <laughs> let's just say my coffee wouldn't have ended up on the side by the RV. Because I drank all all of it and then some. (laughs) I even drank the ice cubes. Exactly. Any little bit of caffeine. Oh my gosh. I know we're on this caffeine tangent. I went into the ring on Nubian Day. I know we got a a little bit of a format, but, you know, tangent here. Sorry, all organization (sighs) skills are lacking today. But I went into the ring for my Nubian senior show without having coffee because I just didn't have time that morning. If anybody saw me on live stream, they must have thought I was the most upset person ever. There's photos of me and I just look like I'm about to cry. And it is because I was uncaffeinated that morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's jump into it, right? So obviously... Nationals uh, is over. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling hungover. I'm basically in my mind going on this episode of I Survived. It is <laughs> I Survived, the 2022 Adga National Show. And, you know, that feeling is is uh, probably permeates with a bunch of our listeners that did attend. Um, it was a weird week, but it was a great week. <clears throat> I'm like losing my voice all of a sudden. I, it must be just the craziness. But uh, let's let's start out with with kind of like I don't know how how our weeks went, right? So should we start from the beginning? We can do however you want to do it. I mean, I look back at it, and it's so funny because it really was a whirlwind to the point where. I had to take a moment each day and go, okay, we arrived three days ago. Three days ago was Saturday. Now this is Tuesday. On Tuesday, we have to do this because I'm sure everyone was getting tired of me going, what day is it? What? (laughs) Where are we? What do we have to do today? 
<laughs> certainly was a whirlwind. And ironically, though, or not ironically, but coming back and after getting a good night's sleep and having coffee and just kind of showering in my own shower, all of those important things, I look back and I it was just such an awesome week. It really was. And I don't think I had time in the moments or I was just too exhausted in the moments to really appreciate the week and how fun it was, how amazing everyone was, what we got to see and what we got to experience. But looking back, it just really puts a smile on my face. And I just am really happy to be able to reflect and be happy with kind of the reflection instead of going, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still going, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? <laughs> but it was just an awesome week. It really was. And I just like that the memories I have just have such a positive kind of outlook. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but perspective on the week. Um, it was a good wow. one. <clears throat> I agree. I mean, it was a wonderful week. Um, I want to I want to thank all of our listeners that came up and said hi to us um, and, you know, came to our booth. Uh, that was like an extra added like thing that we needed to do was the booth. And uh, everybody made it worth it for us just to be sitting there talking with people about goats and, and the podcast and, uh, yeah, just meeting new folks. It was really cool. Um, thanks for everybody that supported us and supported Dan Laney's goats and you know, just everything in between. I mean, I really want to say thank you to our friends that uh, were helping us along the way. You know, we had Carly and Kelsey who had their soaps there. And, you know, for a good portion of one of the days, they, they put in a lot of hours with you, uh, you know, selling and, I felt like I kind of slacked on the whole booth. Like I, I know I sat there for a good amount while you were showing Nubians and stuff, but I was like, man, I was like, by the time Tuesday hit, it's like I hit the ground running that night and I just never looked back. Right. No. And I think that was, and it's so fun. Oh, excuse me there. I'm losing my voice too. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. just, it's the hangover. <laughs> we're going to go with it was uh, the straw. But um, yeah, not, uh, and I was fully expecting this to happen anyway. But I see it's funny because you're like, oh my gosh! After Tuesday, it was hitting the ground running. But for me, it was the opposite because Monday and no Sunday and Monday were my crazy days. And then once I got done with that, I knew I had to show Sonnens on Thursday. But it was just. The pressure was off, so it was easy. I got to just do my thing and be at the booth. And so I had a lot of fun with it. I'm really happy to announce that we did sell out of the goats for the Worldwide Goat Project Nepal for Dan Laney. So um, that just really kind of warms my heart. And I'm really happy to say that we're going to be sending a significant check to the Worldwide Goat Project um, with everyone's help. And I think we probably could have sold probably double the goats if we had them in stock. Oh, but, um, without a doubt. 
And I mean, we sold out for the limited time we were at our booth. I think we sold out probably, would you say we sold out of them within like six, seven hours total? Oh, for the easily. Time easily. Yeah, easily yeah. for sure. Um, I, yeah, when people saw our posts about uh, being open and having a picture of them, I mean, as soon as I opened up the booth, I mean, I didn't even get a chance to sit down. All of a sudden, there's like five people there, and they're like, oh, I need to go. I need to go. I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome. And so it, it was great. I was supposed to put two aside, one for my baby cousin and one for my father. And I wanted to take some time and look at them and figure out which ones I liked, maybe send them a picture so they could choose. And you guys did such an awesome job selling them all and our <laughs> listeners did such an awesome job supporting that by the time I got to the booth on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, I had to tell my father that, sorry, he's just going to have to wait because we were sold out of those. So between that and then we had the note cards for the, from that were done by, I believe it were the kids of Nepal. And then there was the donation jar. Um, I'm really happy with what we're going to be sending and supporting that effort. So we're so appreciative of everybody who purchased those and know that you are making a difference in that project and supporting Dan Laney and the goat owners of Nepal. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty special. I, I loved it. Um, really, really great for the community to come together and help support this really cool project so um yeah it was it was wonderful um like i said i loved meeting all of these <clears throat> new people man we are just gonna struggle with our voices this episode I know. <laughs> <Apologize> <laughs> everyone. yeah uh, it was very dusty in harrisburg i will say um and i but believe it was the, you know this that's the nature of a goat show i mean i yeah. think about what happened? I mean, first of all, I think about my barn and the amount of daily cleanup I have to do in my barn because I have the fans blowing and dust just goes around. I think of going to shows and being at a show for a week, like our county fair and cleanup day. Everything is just covered because at least for the fair, for Harrisburg, we had fans blowing 24-7 to keep the doughs cool. I also think to keep the air circulating around them and hopefully kind of prevent them from, I don't know if this is even a thing, but like prevent them from picking up gunk. Like it just hopefully will blow right by them. And, and I don't think that's actually how it works, but in my mind. I don't, if, it, if it's how it works, it didn't work for my herd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, I just, uh, we were picking up the fans when we were cleaning up and we had cleaned off the fans right before nationals and by weeks and it, they were covered. I mean, I think it's just the nature of the beast. You're dealing with straw on the ground or shavings on the ground at the barn. And it's just because it's circulating, everybody's trying to keep those doughs cool. There's a lot of dust in the air. So kind yeah. of. Now the, my body at least is like, oh, you're able to breathe a little bit better right now. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. I mean, so let's uh, kind of go through the week. <clears throat> so move-in day. You know, you go through vet check. Uh, I got to say thanks to everybody that was braving the heat because it was a hot day 
to and volunteered to get all these animals through vet check. Um, it was no small feat. I mean, shoot, Don George was out there with jeans on on his birthday, sweating his butt off. I mean, it was hot on that blacktop. It really was. And when we got there, I know, I think, what time did you, because you got there a few minutes before us, but yeah. when we got there, did you say it was like 10.30 or 11? Yeah, 10.30. Yeah, that line went through the parking lot. It basically was probably, I would be safe to say it was like 50 trailers deep when we got there, or do you think it was even more than that? Uh, I'd say about 50, yeah, that that's probably a good good no- yes. solid number there and i mean they kept it moving though mm-hmm. it was they just kept going and going and just bringing those animals off and for the pretty much for the protocol was all the animals would come off they would read tattoos check them on the health papers and then help load them back up again and then repeat with the next trailer the next trailer and it was killer um so a huge thank you to all the volunteers who were part of that, as well as the state vets who were here trying to make sure our animals were healthy so that diseases like CL and things like that weren't coming into the nationals infecting herds. And I know, unfortunately, there was a few herds that got turned away. And I remember the vet saying, Yep, this one had CL, and the thought of having a herd on the fairgrounds that would potentially infect a large number of amazing goats. So, like, the vet was saying that it had, the herd had active CL, and I don't know whose herd it is. It doesn't right. matter. But, and I don't need, like, again, I have no idea. But there was active CL. Somebody was trying to bring in active CL, with abscesses on their does and the thought of them bringing it in and not having a diligent vet who caught this and then potentially affecting some of the top animals in the country. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yep. No. And, and, you know, I want to touch on that real quick. Um, Not about the seal thing, but you know, the, the herds that did, unfortunately get turned away um and i really want to talk about guernsey's real quick you know there was a a herd that did get turned away for one reason or another and you know the guernsey breeders did a lot of work to get their animals there spent a lot of money to get their animals there and one trailer got turned away and the the um, display status for this year didn't count because we they we didn't make numbers, um, so it's really disappointing. Uh, I know, like we had a a group chat with the Guernsey breeders, and I know when it first started, I said, "Hey, make sure you're bringing quality representatives of the breed. Make sure they're healthy so you can get through." And here here we are. It's it's just very disappointing and aggravating uh, that someone. I mean, listen, stuff sicknesses like that don't happen overnight you know that's not due to a 10 hour 11 hour 12 hour trailer ride like they they were probably sick before you even put them on the trailer like and you risked it and you didn't get the biscuit you know like you you got turned away and you hurt the breed 
So it stinks. It's disappointing. I'm angry about it. I'm sure I'll get some messages about me saying this, but it's just, it's so disappointing. You know, these people have been working so dang hard for these freaking goats. And just like that, those hopes diminish opening day. So, you know, I, I kept my Guernseys uh, in my pens with my Oberhasli uh, because I didn't want to have them across the venue and have to feed them across the venue where the display didn't even count. Um, but it was cool that people were able to come over and see them next to some really nice Oberhasli and, and admire them and see that, hey, oh, these are actually some pretty quality animals here. And I got to discuss it, discuss them with other breeders. And I've gotten five messages from people saying they need contacts for uh, Guernsey breeders around the area so that they can purchase some. So that's cool. That's a that's a nice outlet with it for it. No, and I mean, like I said, I know we were like I said earlier. I know we were kind of had an organization on how we're doing this podcast today, but I do want to touch on the Guernseys too. I mean, I know the parade was several days later, but seeing those animals in that parade, seeing the Guernseys there, they're a cool breed, and I think in a few years. They're going to be a pretty popular breed, and I think there's just something about them that's a little different from the other standard breeds of dairy goats, and forget about even just being able to breed up goats and really improve the breed and make an impact. They're cool. They really are cool, and seeing them walk around the ring, I know this year you guys didn't make exhibition status, but I think in a few years... There'll be no issues doing that, and the currencies are going to have an impact. I hope so. They are a fun breed, um, and you know, show-wise, yes, there are improvements that need to be made, but as just an animal themselves, they're, they're cool customers. I mean, did you hear any yelling when they were in the, in the <laughs> ring? No, they're quiet as can be. I mean, the only yelling you heard was me whooping it up while I was walking somebody else's currency, trying to get the crowd excited. But uh, no, they're they're definitely cool. Um, I didn't put mine through that parade because I tried. It was right before the Oberhasley Senior Show, by the way, which I honestly wish they would have picked a smaller breed, say like Sables, to do it after that show or before that show. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but mine, I tried to bring across that. Uh, venue and from the main hall to the show ring and they weren't having it on that floor man they uh did not want to walk on that floor and you know i was like you know i'm 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 trying i went like 100 feet with them and i was like they're gonna pass out because i'm gonna be dragging them right and then like or they're gonna hurt themselves so i was like it's not worth it so i put them back and then i brought my Oberhasley over and i grabbed the collar for somebody of one of their guernseys and um, off we went. Yeah. No, but it's very cool that I'll be able to say I was there when that first parade parade of Guernseys walked through the national ring. And then, you know, yeah. in a few years, maybe it'll be, I was there when the first national champion Guernsey was announced, or I was there when they finally, you know, were able to be shown for the first time. And so it was very cool to be part of that as an, bystander of that process and watching this breed grow and take another step in the American Dairy Goat 
association world. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to thank the National Show Committee for letting the Guernsey breeders do that. I know Sandra Kaufman was the one that, uh, you know, kind of helped push it through um, and, you know, helped with the speech that Pete Snyder gave uh, while they were walking the ring. And, and it was just very nice. So thank you for uh, allowing them to do that um, and making them feel valid. Uh, so moving on from that. Um, so let's go back to move-in day. Yeah, exactly. And I want to talk about um, something that I was really concerned about and I think actually went okay. And that was the straw and the ventilation. So obviously, or not obviously, but for those who don't know, Harrisburg has the ability or maybe I should say the national show at Harrisburg has a contract that all of the bedding is bought by mushroom growers, I'm assuming somewhere in the Harrisburg area. And so with that, they want the manure to be solely straw. And in the past, that has been an issue in Harrisburg for issues of ventilation and also wet bedding for exhibitors. And there's always horror stories of what people have seen in relationship to that straw. But, and I do think this is a positive of the goat world being on social media, but there was a great conversation that happened prior to move in day that just really got people thinking outside the box. And first of all, acknowledging that pens have to be cleaned and kept clean to help reduce um, odors and wet bedding and all of those things, which I think if you hadn't necessarily been to a national show before, or you had been to one where the bedding was a little different. Maybe you're like us and straw is not normally the bedding you use at home. You might not be familiar or aware of the fact that it doesn't quite soak up as well as shavings per se or mm -hmm. deep bed. All of these things, kind of these nuances about the facility that people just probably weren't aware of. But having this conversation throwing out ideas of things you could do while still like following the guidelines, just kind of thinking outside the box or acknowledging that you needed deep bedding. When I walked around the barns, there was a few barns that maybe the airflow wasn't quite as great, but it was nowhere near, I think it was 2016 was the last year we were in Harrisburg, but it was the smells and the odors were nowhere near as strong in any of the barns as they were in 2016. And I think it's probably just a testament to the communication and conversations breeders are willing to have with each other to help everybody out. And I know we used a mulch straw on the bottom and then bedded deeply with like, or so like a ground mulch straw on the bottom and bedded deeply with straw. And that really helped. I know somebody used like a lawn landscaping tarp system with, and they really liked that. There's a lot of deep bedding going on, but I just, it really kind of seeing what was then and what is now and the power of having conversations and sharing knowledge and 
being happy to talk about issues and then take those issues and figure out solutions, like go dairy goat breeders. Like, yeah. Just, it's so cool. It really is because listen, I'm a, I'll be the first one to tell you <laughs> I'm allergic to straw. I was not happy. I was going to be in the straw. I know I made sure I wasn't the one cleaning pens because I just, the dust, I knew it was just going to mess me up. So I am anti-straw, but that's just because, like I said, I'm allergic, but we made it work and I think it worked well this year and I think it worked much better than 2016. Oh, I think it was wonderful. I mean, we we also bedded very deep um, and I also am allergic to straw. Luckily, Tierney is not and she was able to get, get it down for us. Um, and then my her uh, buddy Tyler, when we cleaned stalls midweek, he... Uh, he put it down for us but no it, it worked well i didn't see urine running everywhere i didn't uh, from the horror stories of the past uh maybe it's because some of the like the main hall that we were in that wasn't where um animals stayed uh in 16 if i remember correctly right no i mean it was it was different hall some of the halls were different and where the horse like the the horse pens were were different. It's it's different. It was definitely different buildings and things switched around too, which is probably thanks to the national show committee and knowing what worked and what didn't. I think the air conditioning the, the air conditioned building that the show ring was in used to be a or was a hall for animals, and I think part of the reason they changed that, which was also really nice come show day, because you would enter and be refreshed and go in the show ring and you weren't sweating like crazy. But um, I think part of that was to kind of help prevent issues. But I think, I think it went really well. Yeah. I think that it's a viable place to have this show in the future. If we can't find something else, Um, it was fine. Everything was fine. As that was like our our mantra all week. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, you know no, that was the mantra leading up to the show. It, it was <laughs> well we had time for a mantra during show week. But. <laughs> oh well, I I definitely was using that for for quite a bit. Um, you know the nice thing was that they were able to keep the big bay doors open to help with air circulation. Finally, I was able to grab somebody and ask them if they can turn on. There's like this big exhaust fan on the like on the eve of the barn and it was off. And I was like, I grabbed somebody. I was like, hey, can we get that big fan turned on? Does that work? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he comes over and it was that the switch was actually right by my pen. And he turns it on and like you could just feel the air move all of a sudden. It was like, yes, okay. Um, it was hot moving day and the day after. It was oh, like God. wolf hot. But then the skies opened up. And, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and boy, did it rain. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> what do you think? Like, do you think they got over an inch of rain in that storm? They, so here's the funny part. Because of because it was showing like show day for us. Yeah. The only reason I knew it was raining a little bit was because I saw some people 
that were watching the show that I knew and they had just come into the show area and they were drenched. And I was like, oh, it's raining. They're like, yeah, just a little bit. It's it's pretty bad out there. And so then I had no idea until I was done showing and found out that it was raining. It was pouring. Well, they stopped the show. Well, yes. Because I was going to show one of your Nubians. Right. And thank. Oh, that's right. That happened. And th- well, you were about to say, and thankfully, <laughs> they stopped the show so I could find somebody else to show my Nubian. <laughs> Yeah. No, what happened was, so we had five between myself and Hoofprint. We we went as a unit and Hoofprint Dairy. And we she had brought three senior alpine yearlings and I had brought two Nubian senior yearlings. And so we were hopeful that timeline wise there wouldn't be an overlap that we could show our three the three alpines and then maybe hop in the ring right after and get the nubians and it looked like it was pretty close to working like that but we were a little nervous so like i had people lined up including john that we're going to grab my nubians bring them in the ring grab them from the pens all this stuff so we can make it work but then while they were showing alpine senior yearlings that's right because i was already out of i was out of the senior yearling um class by then mm-hmm. they went on the loudspeaker and basically stopped the show for an emergency and there was flooding going on in at least two barns yep um, i think there was flooding in the horse barn and then in the main barn over by you and there was flooding in the parking lots in an area that was close to the main barn as well. So they had to stop the show and everybody kind of had to assess where their pens were, if there was any issues in that area. And then also a lot of people had to move their trailers. Yeah. It was a sight to see. They made the announcement that there's that they're going to stop the show after the class was done. Right. So they're like, uh, there's, there's flooding going on in the barns. Uh, if you can help, please go. And it was just like a sea of people running to go help. It was amazing. And by the time, because I was holding your goat, by the time I passed her off and got over there, uh, it was people, there was like 30 or 40 people there helping keep the water at bay. What happened was uh, there's a downspout that runs and apparently uh, it's a four inch, um, a four inch downspout, but it, they fixed it one time and it they they went from four to three to four and it just doesn't work that way so it clogs up and shoots water everywhere and the drain clogged up because hey we're using straw and (laughs) you know straw down a drain usually not great um but yeah so we were lucky and didn't get uh flooded out i think it was atwood acres they had to move because it was right in their penning area um and yeah, I mean, they, we all got it figured out. Everybody helped uh, in that situation. It was really cool. Um, so you know, going back to your show day, Danielle, how how did how did your herd do uh, compared to what you thought would would happen for your herd? We did well, and I think my I mean my expectations going in were none, and hope to make the cut with some and. We did, and it's funny, though, because 
I see my does and I know I've talked about this before, but I'm just very critical of them. And I also don't have this based on my year, I don't have a lot of maturity in my herd and even more so my younger does are not mature for their age as well. So I came to come, you know what I mean? I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting anything and we had does that made the cut in really large competitive UVN classes. And so I was happy. I was really just happy to be there and, um, yeah exhibit and they did well in my doe my age doe did get the high 305 so that was really exciting because my breeding program does focus on milk production as well and it is really important to me and my herd and we're committed to milk testing and all of those fun things and to get an award like that was just it was amazing and just i was really happy about that and the yeah. pottery I got was amazing on that one. So, um, or it was a glass jar. So, um, that was just that was the icing on the top of the cake. And so, I was really proud of her and her milk production record. So. Yeah, congratulations! That's huge. So, that, when I heard your name called for that, I was like, "Yes, let's go!" So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so, you, I mean, and those were long classes for you. I mean, you oh. were you were in there for quite some time, dude. And so I laugh because I think we talked about this on the podcast with Trinity, but if we didn't, I went to Louisville last year as a spectator and watching the show, you kind of learn a few things. And in Louisville, I think the looked like the rings were a little tinier. I could be wrong, but the amount of walking an animal did, I mean, it's you had a doe that you didn't really like how it was walking. You would put her at the end of the line because she really wouldn't have to walk all the way around the ring because there just wasn't space. And she would just kind of have to walk a few steps. And there was, you know, exhibitor tricks of the trade that really experienced handlers have for making their doe shine and working with the doe's strengths and weaknesses. And I swear... Mark Baden judged Nubians, and he did not want to see those animals stop for anything. We were joking in the ring that eight laps around is a mile, and he was judging them on the move like nobody's business. And I'm like, I've never seen a national show where we've had to walk so much. And I have no problem with it whatsoever. I love judging myself animals on the move. I think it helps really showcase an animal's ease of motion, how an animal actually looks. You're not dealing with skilled exhibitors kind of being able to tweak things and hide things and all those things. So I have no problem with the fact that we were on the move. But holy Christmas, we were in the yearling class and it was just around the ring, around the ring, around the ring. Yeah. I was getting dizzy watching. Yeah. Well, you got your steps in. Oh, I definitely, oh, I'm so, so I have bad FOMO because, uh, speaking of steps, and I'm a little bitter, but it's fine. <laughs> um, so I don't have an Apple Watch. I'm not an Apple Watch fan. I just don't need it in my life. 
I'm already attached enough to my other devices. And I know my phone keeps track of my steps, but it's not as accurate as everybody's Apple Watch. And so I had all these people with us that would be like, oh, we got this many steps today. Oh, we got this many steps. And I'm like, oh, my phone's not updated. It's only saying I got 5,000. I know that's a lie. Or my phone was at the tack box. Like those steps don't count. I don't have the record. It doesn't count. But definitely got steps in throughout the whole week. Uh, yeah, I'm going through mine right now and I'm like, woof, but yeah, you know, it's good. I, oh, 12 o'clock, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> the sirens going off from our fire station. Um, no, it, it was definitely like watching that show with the Nubians. I mean, there's so many that, yeah, I, I get it. He definitely wants them on the move so that he can help, you know, assess. And as they were speaking with each other uh you know the animals were still going so they can kind of you know gauge it like it was it was cool to see how how he worked the ring for sure um but r.i.p to your guys's legs uh (laughs) so so yeah so then let's see that so you showed on monday or no Sunday, monday sunday monday and then Tuesday, you guys started your show. Yep. We so Tuesday morning we kind of hung out at the ringside booth for a little bit and then we showed our juniors that night at seven, which I have a real problem with the seven PM start time for a junior show. Um I gotta say like I get it, but at the same time my animals aren't used to being picked and prodded at 11 o'clock at night right so by the time like nine o'clock hit they were like alice they were ready for bed and they were throwing tantrums and i not only my my animals but many animals were throwing tantrums in the ring and how are we like i get like oh well you should probably just work your animals more like i work my animals plenty they've been to enough shows they know better but like, how are we supposed to show our animals to the best ability when they're acting up because they're exhausted because it's 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night? Right. It's past their bedtime. And, yeah, I I think – I don't – and I don't know if it's possible, but I think – and it probably would have been a little logistic issue based on judges and how the schedule works. But after seeing numbers come in – it probably would have been beneficial if the schedule was subject to change. So that let's sables were low numbers; they were done fairly quick in the day, and so maybe the overs could have moved to be on the same day as the sables were. Again, I know there's judging logistics, and it gets complicated real fast, right. but a little bit of flexibility or maybe acknowledgement of different numbers, I think probably would have been really beneficial because I mean, stable numbers were low enough this year that they were done. Probably. I don't think they were done within the hour, but it sure felt like they were done within the hour and to kind of take advantage of that in terms of scheduling might've done a little bit of, helped but I will say because you guys were in the ring and we were helping out 
it did help justify my 11 o'clock Waffle House trip. So, you know, for me, it was fine that we were in the ring showing. But um, that's just, you know, my little personal whatever. And we probably would have gone to Waffle House regardless. But there's something about it at 11 p.m. I also think one way that they can kind of curb a late night like that is by looking at the past year's numbers. I know every year the numbers are going to change, but Sables tend to, to trend lower. Um, Togs tend to trend lower. Um, you know, take those breeds that are lower and have them in the, in the same day uh, as, with another breed um, to have it make sense. So have like Nigerians going in one ring or Nubians and then have Sables, uh, and then the tag show after or whatever. Um, but you know, like Oberhasli, there was 200 animals entered in and there's over a hundred juniors, I believe. Um, so the show ran from, by the time we started, cause we started late. Um, so it ran until 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. Um, which again, I just think it's unfair, uh, for the exhibitors who paid all this money to have their animals, um, misbehaving in the in the ring and, and you know they're not able to be shown to the best of their advantage um now i know that judges can see past that and i'm not saying that the judge got it wrong but i'm just saying it it would make it feel better right you would feel a little bit happier about the outcome than you know having that well this animal was all roached up because she was tired or you know this animal was jumping around like crazy because she was tired you know it's just it's just, I feel like it needs to be an even fair advantage for that type of scenario. Right. No, that makes sense. And I do think that the perception of the Oberhosley breed needs to change, at least in the Northeast. And what I mean by that is it used to be back when I started, Oberhosley were few and far between. And Again, this is Northeast particularly, but it used to, Oberhosley were definitely one of those breeds where it was very hard to make classes official. Breeders had to bring a lot of animals Mm -hmm. and they are a growing breed and there are more and more people getting Oberhosley does and adding Oberhosley to their herd than I see in a lot of the other standard breeds, particularly the pointy-eared ones. Um, so I think there might be the perception that they're a smaller breed in numbers, but I don't necessarily know. And you, I would have to look at like actual registered numbers and compare them. But they are, especially in the Northeast, they are a big breed and they are forced to be reckoned. And so... Yeah, putting them with as the third breed of the day. Again, I know there's other logistics involved and all that fun stuff, but I think that would probably it would have probably been better to put Sables as the third breed. Um, particularly just looking at Northeast numbers. I mean, I know people come from all over the country. I think the farthest person that came was from Portland, Oregon. I think that was the one that they announced was like the person who drove the farthest distance, but 
I know that's a thing and I know they come from all over, but you do trend at each national show to get more local herds that come in along with the people who consistently go to nationals, regardless of where it is. And so I could have told you that you weren't going to have a strong sable representation. We just don't have the sables here in other sections of the country. And Tagenbergs are going to be tight again. We just don't, it's not a breed that has a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of breeders out there with togs in our area, but over Hosley's man, they're going to come out. So, you know, I think it's just, just something to be considerate of as show schedules get planned and things like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and listen, I mean, the effort the national show committee puts in and the chairs and all that, like where I'm saying this, I'm not diminishing the work that they've done. I couldn't do it. It was, you know, the, what the national show committee and the people who were working as the national show committee and busting their butt doing check-in and all of this stuff. It's a lot. And so I'm not by no means diminishing what they were doing, um, but it's right. just kind of, you know, looking we're Monday back. morning quarterbacking it, you know, like we're, we're, we're able to look back now and say, oh, this could have been improved on. And I mean, I think it would be a sin to not be able to say that, you know, and just say, oh, well, there was no improvements to be made. I mean, obviously there's improvements to be made, right. uh, but and we're, I think it's a- we're not knocking them for sure. No, and I think it's exactly like the straw situation we talked about earlier, that you start talking and you start having a discussion and not an argument, but a discussion where you can put ideas out there and it ultimately betters what is, you know, what occurs. So I think as long as, yeah, just Mm -hmm. as long as it's a discussion and not nobody's getting nasty and not that obviously I'm not saying you're getting nasty or I'm getting nasty, but just in general, discussions can happen and have positive outcomes. Right. Yeah. So I guess I should kind of go through how we did at the show. Yes. Um, no, I was just <laughs> after this <laughs> that went off on. Um, yes. How did your nose do? Uh, you know, we went in there with the expectations of we want to have an animal make the cut. And every animal in our herd, except for our fat dry yearling, who is like super fat, um, made the cut. And we had some top tens. Uh, you know, I actually, our, our recorded great experimental doe gem, our age doe, she got second place, first daughter, and I was ecstatic. I mean, we had a really good showing and, and, far better than I thought we would do. So um, that's exciting. And and we're very content and happy. You know, we have new goals for next, you know, the next uh, national show. But uh, for now, we are very happy and, and are, you know, looking forward to the future. Congratulations. I was just seeing your does out there. I mean, you guys killed it. You really did. You brought out amazing animals. And I hadn't seen your doe kids in person yet this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this was the first time 
Danielle and John had been in the same <laughs> show yeah. all year um, year long so far. It is possible, people. We did actually even get in the ring together, too. We did. It is a possibility. <laughs> but just seeing those Doe kids, I was like, damn. Because I've seen like the side profile pictures of them, and I've seen some candid pictures. But like seeing the faces on the Doe kids, the, the substance of jaw, the like the nostrils, just like the little nuances that I hadn't seen or hadn't really appreciated in pictures. I was like, damn, these are some nice kids. Oh, thank you. I will have, I do have to say that. So I was tasked and thank God there was other people involved in this because it would have been horrible with bringing animals up for John in the junior doe show for the, (laughs) recorded grade class or was it no it was obers i was tasked yeah. with bringing the doe kids for the obers and so he had taken his doe one of his doe kids up to the ring and i was gonna be the one to grab the next one and well if you don't know john has obers and he has experimentals but the experimentals conform to breed standard for the most i think all your does <laughs> they all do right yeah yeah. Uh, one of them one of them doesn't, but you couldn't tell unless you look at her belly. So yeah. Okay. So they can so they're obers and ober looking Joe kids. And so and they're all the same age just two. And except for the little one. But so I go over to his pen and I'm like, okay, let me grab the doe kid I'm supposed to grab and bring her ringside with me. Well, wouldn't you know that they all look the same? and i have no idea i was not told which doe i was supposed to bring over and Uh, you were but you forgot no that's no absolutely (laughs) no no and the thing is that john also so then i called tyranny and the problem is that john put new collars on his doe kids Right before the show, too. So nobody had, like, a show collar on. They had the nylon collars. And he put new sh- collars on them so they were fancy smancy for the show. But in doing right. so, he also failed to tell his wife which Joe was which. And so she couldn't even tell me, just grab the blue collar, because she had no idea which Joe was on the blue collar, because, like I said, John had just put them on. A few days beforehand. And so thankfully, somebody else could run and get the kid because I had no idea which kid was which. And I well, I, I did. I didn't want I to did tell Tyler. Grade so. up instead and have her accidentally enter the ring. <laughs> I did tell Tyler and he went and grabbed her. So I well, mean, exactly. and I told somebody else had to do it because. <laughs> This did not work. The organization, we the system failed because it did fail. It did. We, we uh, and we had a whiteboard too, but it just it kind of all went to crap. <laughs> so I was like, oh, there's only there's only two junior kids. How could it possibly go wrong? And then well, you know we had senior yearlings, and those were the only two senior yearlings. So it was there's only four goats. I mean, it can't can't go that bad. There's only four. <laughs> no, there's only yeah. There's only 
There was six uh, dough, junior doughs that you brought because you're saying there's only two junior <laughs> dough kids, but that's just in your over-Hosley breed. You go into your recorded grade class and there's another two and they look the same. So They don't. One of them's gray because she clipped weird and then the other one's lighter and one's really dark. You, know, you just got to, you know, you got to know yes, them. You didn't but... take the time to get to know them. Well, when you're just told grab the dough <laughs> And not told, oh, get this one. She's in the age group. Like, slight problem. <laughs> if it worked out, it was fun. You guys grabbed the right kid. We, yeah. So it did. And then, yeah. But you, so anyway, back to your results. You had Jem, who was in an aged, gla- in an aged class for experimentals and recorded grades. And that age class, I remember listening on the mic was insane in the age of the animals there. I mean, I was hearing, what was there, like three or four nine-year-olds, a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old? Yeah, the youngest in that class was, it was just one doe and she was seven. Yeah. And then everything else was nine, 10, 11. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. No, I just think that's amazing. I love a doe who can be productive in... You know, the purpose of the unified scorecard is to have a doe who can be productive over a long lifetime. And that recorded grade age class was a true testament to breeders looking for longevity. And you didn't have does that were struggling with age. I mean, they all looked young. They all looked youthful. And then to hear that. The youngest was seven, and there was only one of them, and everybody else was eight, nine. Like that is unheard of. Yeah, it was. It was pre- a pretty cool class, and you could see the judges were like enamored with them, and and were really happy. Like you, could, it was like the happiest they looked all day. Not that they were looking like they were mad or anything, but they, you could just see there was a little extra something to that class that they enjoyed, and and I was really proud to be part of that and have our foundation doe bring us into our first national show champion drive. Right. No, it was cool. It was so cool. That was cool. And then you had that doe kid that was third, correct? The, I think the Ober. Uh, I did. Yep. My, um, Mary Mac daughter, she, she got third place. That was our first ever. That was our first class ever in nationals. And we got third place. I was like, Oh, Oh boy, this is real. <laughs> so I was super nervous in that class, but uh, after it, I was able to calm down a little bit and, um, you know, do a, do what we had to do. But uh, no, it we did. Like I said, I, I'm just shocked that we did so well. Um, you know, I, I got to say thank you to you um, for helping us prep our animals, and also, uh, you know, you did group classes with Tyler and I, um, and you it was late and you were like, yeah, let's do it. And we got it done. Um, and it was really, it was really cool to see everybody pulled together and help each other in their breeds. Um, we have a couple topic ideas for, uh, shows that are bigger like this. Um, and, and some of them are from listeners that were like, Hey, I got an idea for you. Um, so I can't wait to have some of these topics to talk about in the, in the future here. Um, but no, thank you for all the hard work you did this week with the ringside stuff and also, you know, helping me. And I know I helped you as well, but uh, no, it was just, it was just a really cool week. 
No, right back at you. I mean, listen, there's some things that aren't going to make the podcast and we're not going to talk about <laughs> John yeah. gets not, doesn't decide to, you know, let things go or not bring them up when we're at dinner and surrounded by all the <laughs> people. And I, it was, there was nothing it. wrong with that no. statement. <laughs> there was no, <laughs> no. Um, there's just some things that don't need to be talked about and you know, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) We did go out to dinner and we had a great time with our pit pit crew that we had. Um, and it it was good food. So that was always fun. Um, dude, I ate like nothing all week. I I don't know about you. I survived on coffee and fruit snacks. I so there's this scale when you walk into like when you're about to walk into the show ring there's this platform and like you know just a little plate on the ground and I didn't I thought it was like covering like an elevator like a floor elevator or something I don't know maybe there was a basement or something right so no, I, walk- I thought for at first too I thought it was like a trapdoor to the basement so I avoided it because <sighs> I thought it was like a trapdoor to the basement well, I, I'm too lazy to walk around, so I stepped on it, and like as I was walking, like I turned to the left, and I was like, "Oh, that's a scale, crap!" And I see the numbers, so I was like, "Oh man, I'm fat." And then the end of the week, I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna walk on this scale." So I walk on it, and I was like, "Holy cow! I've lost 21 pounds this week. Let's go!" It's the goat national show, like weight loss program i don't think you're the first person that that's happened to and i don't think you'll be the last but i mean we counted somebody counted steps and on a slow day they did eight miles of walking so like insanity absolute insanity yeah it's great like i mean i'll probably gain it back but actually probably not because we're about to be super busy at work but uh no yeah it, it was it was nuts i was like holy cow so national show fatigue is real. <laughs> uh, let's see. So you showed Sonnens for a friend. I got to handle the Sonnens. And then I i don't know if this is something I should be bragging about or not, because in some ways it's it was like, who's going to be the sucker to milk out the dough? But then at the same time, like, I got to milk out the dough. Um, I milked out the national champion who went on to be for the best utter class. And she ended up going and being best utter. But it was funny because while we were waiting, um, one of the other handlers was like, oh, we're going to need, we're going to have at least one dough in this best utter category and basically what happens for anybody who's not aware is at the once the show all the group classes and everything is are finished the first and second place best uttered animals in each age class are brought to the ring and the judges decide which does they want to see milked out so it's not all of the does that were first and second right and so the one doe in the herd that I was showing, I was helping Araby farm and 
So the national champion was in this lineup. Plus there might've been another one or two, but I can't remember at this point. And so they needed this dough milked out. And so we realized we were going to have, you know, the possibility of having several doughs milk needing to be milked out. And everybody's like, Oh my God, I haven't milked a dough in so long. I can't get on the ground and do this. And I just went, guys, I've got this. This is what I've been training for all, <laughs> all milking season long because I've been <laughs> this year and instead of using the machine. And so I'm like, I can milk a sonnet. Like I can milk one. It's fine. And so I felt like this was like, like my little Rocky moment or something ridiculous. <laughs> I had been putting in the work for this moment. I was able to milk out the stove so that she could go back in and then ultimately win best utter. But yeah, it was just kind of funny because everybody's like, Oh my God, how are we going to do this? What if there's three? And I was like, bring it. We got this. So, uh, you got the big guns today. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that being said, thankfully it was a Sanin and not a Nigerian. Um, I don't know how those breeders did that, but uh, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, so, but yeah, no, I got to show the Sanins and oh my gosh, that was an impressive Sanin show. Um, like just the quality of the Sanans the whole way down the line was just insane. And, oh, it was just so nice seeing, I mean, the Broduses are amazing people. They have been working with this breed for years. They're, you know, just great people and breeders and just seeing them live this dream and accomplish this dream was just an amazing experience. Um, and I'm just so happy for them. Yeah, no, it, it was great to see because, you know, they've, they've been through a lot where they were pretty much all out of goats, right? And then that they've built back up and they're right where they left off, kind of. Yeah, if not even better, I think. And, uh, you know, Scotty got on the mic at the Colorama sale and or right before the Colorama sale. And I'm surprised he's still alive. But, you know, what he said was, you know, really, really touching and sweet and um was a really nice thing, but just like that was just the icing on top of the cake there. It was just such an amazing moment. And I was just so happy to be a part of that. And, you know, my little contribution of milking the dough or showing some of their doughs in the ring to just help them get there and be part of it was really special and a nice way for me to end the national show. Yeah. I mean, at one point I looked over, I was, I had Jem in the lineup and then I look over and you've got Sonnens in the, I think it was still group classes, but, uh, or not group classes, um, age classes. And yeah, it was cool to like, be like, okay, I've got one of my does and you're over there helping the Brodices. And it was just like, just like a big nod. We're like, yeah, what's up? Like, let's go. (laughs) Ringside, we've got this. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, the trip home was a cool time to just reflect on everything after the national show, you know, moving out day kind of stunk. You guys left super stupid early. 
don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we so we decided that we. It doesn't sound like a we decision. No, it was a we decision. Okay. So we decided that because we had rented an RV because we were realistic about how much hay we were going to need. We brought our own straw because the farm had just made straw. And one of our fears and past experiences is sometimes if straw sits, it tends to get critters in it. And my does, I know, don't do well with that. And I just really didn't want to deal with that. So we had fresh straw. We knew wasn't, hadn't been stored anywhere. So we wanted to bring our own straw. We wanted to bring hay. We wanted to bring our wheelbarrow. And we brought... We brought 16 goats to the show, left with 14 because I had two babies that were picked up between myself and Hoofprint. So my trailer was packed with goats. And if we needed to, I could have gotten creative with my tack room and we could have made it work, but it would have just been a real pain. And so we realized that instead of bringing a camper, we probably should bring a like supply trailer. So we did that, but we weren't sure what time we were going to be released on Thursday evening, nighttime, and we would have had to return the RV before we could hit the road. And that requires the the RV to go in another vehicle. And so if we had decided we were going and then the RV was returned and the release time turned out to be 10 o'clock or by the time we were able to get out it was 10 11 o'clock that wouldn't necessarily have been the best driving for us I know I would have been exhausted and you know I'm pulling one of the trailers and it just didn't seem like it was worth doing so we did have to decide whether or not we were going to be leaving on Thursday or Friday we just said you know what let's just get up Friday morning let's get up early Let's load the trailer. We'll get home and um, do it. And ultimately, I mean, do I want to be, did I want to be up when I was? No. (laughs) By the time we got on the road, we got coffee in our systems. It was fine. And because Harrisburg, I think it took us like four hours to get back. It wasn't too bad. I was able to get home, unload the does, get them situated, come home, shower and nap. And so and then had you know refueled with coffee and had a nice afternoon evening. So it wasn't right. bad and I was happy because we were just scared it was going to get really hot on the road and if we hit any traffic or anything our doors were going were going to be stuck on the trailer and so we just wanted to get home. I mean it is a holiday weekend so again we weren't sure what we were going to hit what we were going to do so we just tried to get home as early as possible and I think we ended up pulling in around like 10:30 or so. Um, into yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. No, I, it's smart. Um, I do. You know, I can't believe I haven't brought this up yet. My wife is a rock star. Can we talk about that? Yes, we can because she definitely needs to be acknowledged, dude. She drove the RV there and back, like like a boss. Like she's now a certified trucker. Um. She was adamant that she wanted to drive our 32-foot RV, and she did. And I hauled the trailer, and all was good. She did great. Um, she... So 
Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> okay. Pause All on right. That one. Okay. That's not the story I heard. What do you mean? I heard that she's the better driver, and so she didn't have a choice. Get out of town. You couldn't handle the RV. Oh. Yeah. So, so listen, everyone. So the real truth of this is Tyranny is the better driver. (laughs) Okay. Handle the RV. So Tyranny had no choice but to take the RV so John could have his truck and the little trailer. Now, that's not fair. I am by far the better driver. I won't bring up stories of the past. We're trying to give props to my wife here. And, and I'm telling you that I'm telling yeah. you listen, listen, she looked like a boss in there. I'll say that much. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with your, your story. Okay, that works. Yeah, Tyranny is by far the better driver. So, <laughs> So she did that. But also, I don't know if you noticed, Danielle, but... Alice is like a crazy uh, feral child. That is not true. <laughs> she, she was awesome. She did great. Tierney did uh, an awesome job. Because, I mean, listen, I was in the ring for hours on end for three days, right? Right. And she held it down. And, I mean, it was hot. And Alice was hot. And she was a little bit cranky. But she did wonderful. Um, they both deserve medals. Uh Alice had a wonderful time. She was partying a little later than she should have every night, but she Where got it. All? Oh my gosh. She just, I mean, I come in from checking does the day or the, the night of show day and it's 1am and there's Alice just rocking, a, like rocking and rolling. I'm like, dude, you need to go to bed. And she's like, hi, dad. I'm like, no, go to bed. So, uh, no, it was great. Uh, we think she's finally back on her schedule for sleep, so that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> so that means you can be back on her schedule for sleep. Yeah, oh, yeah. As soon as we're done recording this, I'm taking a nap. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it was great. I do also want to bring up one more thing, Danielle, and it's a little bit sadder of a story. Okay. Uh, one of our local goat people, Caitlin Hanlon, had an accident on her way to nationals with her goats. Uh, Her trailer actually caught on fire. seems like the hay um, got hot and and started up and she lost a couple goats. I think she's got two more that are in um, critical condition. And then she's got a couple that are still hurting, Um, but she's lost three or four now. Um, and she does have a GoFundMe. It's on, you know, the District Two pages and all that stuff. Pretty, I think every district page and even national show discussion. So if you feel so inclined to help out, um, you know, she suffered burns trying to save her goats from that fire. Um, it was just, it's horrific and a nightmare situation for anyone. You know, you can we complain about flat tires and stuff, and yeah, it stinks, but it's nothing compared to what she's gone through in this last week. So our thoughts are with her. I'm proud of the community for um, helping support her on that GoFundMe page. And, um, you know, hopefully the future is better for her and um, she can move on with what she has left. So uh, we're sorry, Caitlin, for what's happened. And um, we hope you and, and your goats get well. And, yeah, we're with you. And I do know and 
only because I am involved and it was just kind of a let me get through nationals and then we'll get it going. But in addition to the GoFundMe, there are going to be other fundraising um, opportunities. I think we're going to put together a raffle and different things like that. So um, stay tuned for that. We'll definitely keep you guys updated on how you can support her and help her recover both financially, emotionally, um, and then if she is looking for, you know, forward and wants to kind of, I don't know where she is in terms of her herd rebuild or anything like that, but we will have more information on how you can support her in addition to the GoFundMe. But um, if anybody needs the GoFundMe link, just send us a message and we'll be happy to share it as well. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a good wrap up on nationals. Um, I mean, we could talk for hours on some of the stories we have, but we'll we'll keep it going. Um, it was nice to meet everybody, all of our fans, uh, all of the other breeders that I've looked up to for years. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot about some people this week, and that's great. So uh, onwards and upwards. Did you want to add anything before we wrap this up, Danielle? No, I think that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Again, once again, thank you all for supporting us, for stopping by, saying you listen. It just, I, as I told a lot of people, as much as we do this for the listeners, half the time when we're, I mean, listen, I'll talk goats any day, every day. <laughs> being on the podcast just basically has a microphone on a normal conversation for me. But when we have guests on, half the time we're having these guests on because I want to talk to them or, you know, John, when I say I, I really mean we as ringside want to talk to them and pick their brains about things or just have a conversation with them. And so as much as we do this podcast for everybody, when we're recording, when we're talking to guests or even, you know, when it's just John and I, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's for everybody else. And there's kind of this selfish aspect of recording and talking about this stuff, at least for speaking for myself, but to hear that everyone else is enjoying it and listening and getting out what we're getting out ourselves um, was just a really cool, special thing to be made aware of. So once again, to everyone who's listening, we just really appreciate you guys and you taking the time to be part of our ringside podcast and listening each week yeah i i I echo those sentiments exactly like it's just it's wonderful this community is great um and you know if you are listening and you would like to tell the world how awesome you think this podcast is you can leave us a review on apple uh podcasts and you know give us five stars if you'd like uh tell us what you like about the show, what you don't. Um, we'd love to hear some feedback. It definitely does help boost the show to get it in the eyes of other people that might not know that it's uh, there. Um, so listens, you know, reviews, it's all great. Uh, Danielle, where can people find us on social media? So you can find us on Facebook by searching Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. On Instagram, we're at ringside underscore goat underscore podcast. We are on TikTok and Twitter as well. And as always, like John said, you can 
Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then, as always, we do have our website and there is our merch there. So um, maybe you saw the mugs uh, at Nationals or on Facebook. They are available on our website along with hoodies and t-shirts at dairygoatpodcast.com. And stay tuned because for better or for worse, I got some ideas this week. And so (laughs) I'll be launching new merch as soon as I can sit down and start designing. I can't wait. Can't wait to see it. Well, everybody, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.